Welcome in to episode number 37, 37 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It is the Brian Elliott episode. Of course, he wears number 37, so that's the reason behind that. And as you hear there, a little Weezer, and we'll tell you about that in a moment. But Russ Cohen, alongside Jason Martinez, at Sportsology on Twitter, at Jason Mert. Follow the podcast as well, at Stick to Hockey Pod. And if you want to email us, stick to hockey biz at gmail.com. Ross, what's going on around the NHL, man? Well, lots, lots. I mean, there's a new team coming in. There's injuries. There's potential trades happening. There's assistant general managers getting hired. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot that's happened since what I, I guess we would deem as our emergency episode after the firing of Ron Hextall. Right. Uh, but now we're in a, a whole different ball game. Um, the dust is kind of settling, I guess, if you will, after the dismissal of Hextall. Uh, the dismissal of Chris Pryor, the dismissal of Gord Murphy. So there's some additions to the Flyers. And uh, let me just tell people real quick that coming up on this episode, uh, we'll have an exclusive interview with Flyers head coach Dave Hackstall uh, and also an interview today with Travis Konechny. So two Flyer interviews uh, within this uh, podcast episode. And Dave Hackstall really in a uh, very precarious position. And I've heard some people equate it to Russ that uh, he went from a head coach to essentially an interim head coach with his future way up in the air, and that's a difficult spot to be. It is a difficult spot to be, and players know when you're in that spot, and sometimes players try too hard when you're in that spot, and sometimes some players are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to me, and then don't play their best because they're worried about what their future might be. Yeah, and it really, in a lot of ways, cuts off the legs of a coach. Now, they've tried to give him legs in the sense that the dismissal of Gord Murphy, and he was a big part of hiring his replacement, and, right. and Chuck Fletcher the GM now has said many times, I'm working with Dave Hackstall um, to make this team better, to see what he needs. And that's a message to the players saying, he's here for right now, and you better start playing. Right. But as we've learned over many, many years of watching covering sports, you could look good on paper, mm-hmm. and the mix is just terrible, and it's never going to get better. And right now, we're at the point 29 games into the season, it's no better. There yeah. is no appreciable difference. If you want to say the penalty kill looked better for a short time, I'll give you that. But that's it. Yeah, Nothing off, else. I think, uh, six straight games yeah. before giving up three in the game to Winnipeg. Yeah, but nothing else is better. Mm-hmm. And, well, they, I mean, look, Couturier gets hurt for a couple of games. Yep. Giroux goes back to the middle. Couturier comes back, and they leave Giroux in the middle. Right. Um, I mean, obviously that's better center depth team-wise to have Giroux in the middle. Um, and they liked what they saw out of him and James Van Riemsdyk along with Travis Konechny. So maybe that's why they don't break it up immediately. Um, but down the road, Chuck Fletcher apparently, and I saw this in a Pierre Lebrun's article, uh, really there's three areas to identify that he wants to improve and try and do so in short order. Obviously goaltending, a veteran defenseman, top four D-man, and uh, a third-line center. Sure, and these are the hardest positions to fill in hockey. Like the ones you just told because me. they're important. <laughs> yes. So they're the hardest to fill, especially when you're trying to do it at this point in the season. Something that's going – here's some hot-button topics that I got off Twitter that we should talk about. Uh, we'll talk about Shane Gostaspear and the regression in his game. I'll tell you about Phil Veroni and why I think he should already be sent back. Uh, Oscar Lindblom still not playing – 
any kind of real minutes. And he's out of the top nine. That so those are three big topics that I think attack this team. So let's let's talk about Phil Veroni. I know he hit the, the post yesterday. He's a quadruple A player. Mm-hmm. At this point, you saw two games. Put him back down. If there's somebody else you want to bring up, great. But when you're trying to bring up a four C. You're better off just putting Scott Lawton back there. Mm-hmm. And and look, I last year I thought Lawton took a step back. He's had a nice year this year. Just put Scott Lawton back at four C. At this point, there is nobody that you're going to bring up from the minors to put in four C, because these days in the NHL, fourth lines are really good. Yeah, they can score. They could score and contribute. Absolutely. And so, and at least Lawton can play a really good brand of defense. Put him back up there. Forget about Phil Veroni. Get Lindblom some playing time. It's crazy that he is not playing. If if he starts to regress, now you've maybe helped one spot and and found two other holes because of of that. So those two things are are connected. Mm -hmm. I really do feel like Lindblom's getting the short end here. And if Hackstall's trying to teach him by just sort of like – Letting him play a little bit in guarded minutes, he's not going to learn that way. Yeah, he's got to play to learn. And, he does. And he has good hockey sense. He does. There's a lot of things that some players you can never teach that he already has. Goes to the net. Yeah. Uh, handles the puck well on the boards. Yeah, I was going to say, he plays zone. great along the wall. There's not yeah. that many flyers that and do that. And great behind the net. Yeah. Um, There's not that many flyers that do that. And yeah. so, to me, it's like a disadvantage when you're not doing that with this guy. I get about giving players a chance, and I'm sure players in Lehigh are happy that Chuck Fletcher's doing it. But if we look at Lehigh and we're real about things, like Philip Myers is probably the next guy up as far as talent for any position. And after that, you know, we're really— So we're not going to see Tyrell Goldburn again? I don't think so. That was the uh, Hextall go-to move. Yeah, I I don't think so. I mean, again, I know they're falsely or fakely— being tougher as a team right now. Like, Gudish finished that check yesterday yeah. on, on Goudreau, and Wayne's trying a little harder. But it's not adding to anything. It's not adding to the score sheet. It's not adding mm. wins. I don't even know if it's making the fans happier. Yeah. I think they're doing that to make the fans happier so they're more interesting to watch, and I'm not sure it's working. And, and, and they're trying to gain an identity. That... Right, but they still don't have an identity. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a mix. So, yeah, Limblom last night played 527. Yeah, it's crazy. Played don't even play him. Yeah. It, it, don't even play him if he's only going to play that. Yeah. It, it's just silly. Shane Gostaspear. Yeah. So we, we have already covered on this show that he and Provorov, it's not a good mix anymore. Yeah. And But Hackstall went back to it a couple times, and now I think he's done with that. Amac plays into this because he's gone back to like two years ago where he's not, he's no longer reliable. So Amac should be taken out of the mix. He really should just be taken out of the mix. He's really not in the future plans anyhow. Yeah, do whatever you want to do with him, but I don't think he should be in the everyday lineup anymore. If injuries occur, fine. It's either been him or Folan. Right. I would, anyway. I would rather use Folan because I, would too. I think there was something more there and less risk in Folan playing lesser minutes than AMAC playing bigger minutes and and making bigger mistakes. And there's a physical presence with yes. Fulham much on a oh, yeah. much larger scale. Yeah, so there's that. So back to Gossespear, he's back to the point where he can't hit the net. His shooting mm-hmm. percentage is awful. What does he have, like three goals? Yeah. It's, it, that part's bad. Now, it's also bad when you see that one game, he and I'm watching at home, 
and and it might have been against Columbus. Gus Spirit brings the puck up the ice himself, and even Jim Jackson's like, hey, he's not really used to or supposed to do that. Doing his own entry. Right, yeah. doing his own entry, because like we all know that that's Dave Haxtell doesn't really like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's already in his head, right? And that has messed with his game. That's the devil on his shoulder. Yes. Yeah. That has messed with his game, because now that you've asked him to reel that in, like yesterday, I saw him so intently wanted to drop back the puck on the power play, he almost gave it away because mm. he dropped it back, and there was like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, yeah. and then it was like, oh, mm. but to get that puck. But he just wanted to get rid of it like a hot potato now because he doesn't want to, you could tell, the body, the way his body is going, he, he doesn't want to make another mistake. It, it looks to me almost like he's got a core injury. When he was he missing could. in that prior, he was coming off that core surgery, right? Which doesn't allow you to open up your yeah. your core, and 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 that's how you target shots. Yeah. It's not just by the stick, especially when you're bombing from the point. It looks to me like there's some kind of issue with him. Um, I mean, I've never I've really, never really thought really he's him to begin with. No, but I've never really thought he's injured. <clears throat> I I I see him shooting well and skating well and passing well, so I don't know if it's that. Uh, I was. Fairly high on him. I, I thought he needed to learn how to play better defense, and there was a time he did. Last year he did. Uh, he was physical at one time. He's not really anymore. And and that sort of feistiness has gone out of his game, maybe because of injuries, mm-hmm. maybe because he doesn't want to go back on, on the injured reserve. I don't know. But mentally, this is not the same guy. Yeah. And so to sort of mentally rehab him, I don't know, maybe pull back on the reins a little with him. Like, right now... You are you, – this team is going nowhere. They're going nowhere. Matter of fact, there are people that are like, well, are they in the Jack Hughes sweepstakes? Even if they're not Lose trying – but But they don't have to. Even if they're not trying, it's happening. They are. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Yeah. So my hope would be for him, hey, do you want to, like, lose close or do you want to maybe win some of these games on the back of him gaining his mo- offensive momentum back and his – and the confidence. He needs yeah. to get that confidence back, but I don't think Dave Haxtell is going to do it. That's but, a, that's a, that's a, a, a tugging a yeah. tug of war right now. Um, and and who knows if Haxtell, if that tenure does end, how does the next coach handle him? Right. You know, is he a coach that wants to activate his defense and have them flying up and down the ice like you see Warinsky and Seth Jones, who will bo- at times will both be below the dot in the offensive zone. Right. You know, and that's why they're so dynamic and the way they transition. Gossett Spare's contract goes through 22-23. Yeah. And it's got that $4.5 million cap hit this year. Uh, the money's a little front-loaded, obviously. $6 million yeah. this year. Uh, the second year of a six-year $27 million deal. All right, so the, the Flyers' goaltending situation. Boy, I, do we talk about this every week? I mean... <laughs> I mean, you, it's we, amazing. I love the position as much as I do, right. considering I've grown up in this area pretty much my entire life. That's the weird thing, and, and you bring up a good point. Like me growing up as a Ranger fan, for whatever reason, they got pretty lucky, and they were able to go to guys like from like, oh, if you go way, way back, like Lauren Shabbat. But you know, they had mm-hmm. Jockerman and and they had Richter, and so like every. Ten years, there'd be a two or three year gap, and then they would get their next franchise goalie. The Flyers aren't getting, and even Dan Blackburn would have been a franchise goalie mm-hmm. had he had not that had that terrible pectoral injury and, and playing with two blockers. Yeah, and playing <laughs> with two blockers at the end, which I guess for the victorious Salmon Kings, yeah, that was pretty amazing. But 
and and then went to Lundquist. I mean, they they have been pretty fortunate with that that they have only gone a couple of years, maybe two three years in between their franchise goalies. This this team goes through sometimes a decade yeah. before who they deem as their next franchise guy, and they and they're and never he hasn't out and with... they're never really a franchise yeah. guy. And, and it's funny because Ron Hextall, former goalie, um, did draft a lot of goaltenders. I mean, his philosophy was basically, I'm going to take one every year. Because right. you got to always stock the cupboards, and you can stash goalies. And they're over hard the to figure lead. out, and yeah. there's injuries. And mm-hmm. I agree with that philosophy. And, and look, a lot of people, the, the one thing people say, boy, the Flyers are pinning a lot of their hopes on a Carter Hart. And they are. Yeah. But there are, are other guys in the organization. Sandstrom is another guy that's mm-hmm. well thought of, but he's being overshadowed by the accolades of Carter Hart and what he's accomplished. Yeah. I mean, if you told me, hey, Sandstrom's going to end up being the real deal and Hart's not, I wouldn't be tremendously shocked. No, because, because anything could happen. Anything yeah. could happen. We all like Carter Hart. I've liked him for a lot of years. Doesn't mean I'm right. Mm. And so, and you can't just gamble it all on one guy. You, yeah. you can't. And so I think they are doing the right thing or had done the right thing with that. All that said, any goalie you go out to trade for is going to have some term on a contract. Or if you're trading for a UFA and that person works out, then you're going to be signing him to at least a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. So all the people that want to see Carter Hart next year with a new GM, it's not happening. Yeah, It's really not. Unless they get someone on the end of a deal like Jimmy Howard and he doesn't pan out and they love the second half of the year, Carter like Hart. Like last year. But, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. The, real, the realism is that won't happen. The realism is, like, because even Jonathan Bernier got a three-year deal out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a three-year deal now. I don't know if you're going to be able to find a goalie like Mason that was willing to take less money, less term for a little while. Yeah. You know, last year's deal when he did that. I don't think you and he won't even do it anymore. Yeah. So right now, he wants a, he wants a guaranteed start spot. I would I would consider Hey Steve. Carter Hart, that's not happening. Right. <laughs> I, I would think Carter Hart's probably going two or three years in the AHL. That's okay. that's the hard realism I think what's what's going to end up happening here when the Flyers do trade for their goalie cuz they're going to trade for one. Yeah. And You believe that's imminent? I do believe that's imminent. Yeah. I think All right, Let me throw some names at you. Sure. Uh, and I and I'm going to say I don't think Stellaris has played badly, but he's not an NHL top flight goalie. We've seen exactly, that. Exactly. I agree and you're right. He, he's played well, but the more you uh, play a guy that's not that pedigree, it's going to show. Yes. And you and they know that. Yeah. There, there's a reason why he was where he was in the pecking order under the previous regime. All right, let me throw some names at you. Uh, a guy who's got one year left after this, I believe like a $4.5 or $5 million cap at Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson, they're going to want a lot for, though, because he's got a, one year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. He is perceived as a number one at this point, whether – you believe it or not, people out there listening. But their team's not going anywhere right now. They're they're committed to a rebuild. You're going to give them a first and like Isaac Radcliffe for, for I mean, Anderson? I don't think you have to go that far. Oh, I think you, you do. You think you have to go first? I think you could get. I think you could get him for a second, and probably maybe like a Radcliffe or a sec, a two of five in a lesser. The problem, lesser player. the problem with Ottawa is if they give up Anderson because they gave up their number one, they're going to be looking for a first rounder in return. That's why I think he's going to go for a All first. Right, well, give me Anderson and Shabbat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in. Shabbat might win the Norris. Like you're not getting Shabbat. Yeah, he might right now. He might be the front runner. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I I just think. You may be right in what the ultimate value of Craig Anderson is, but mm. I believe the starting thing is going to be a first because of everything that's going on yeah. in Ottawa. Well, and yeah, you're right. It, 
they don't have their first round pick. They no. decided to keep it last year. Right. They could end up with number one overall this year. Right. Although which I don't is, think that's which is still Brady Kachuk, which is a hell of an well, idea that's to keep it. the blow. And that's why I told people mm-hmm. I would have kept the pick two last year. Because look at Brady Kachuk. Mm-hmm. He is a franchise guy. Anyhow. The whole family. Yes. By the way, the Kachuks. All good players. Yeah, I think Brady's better than Matthew, though. Yeah, I do. And you see Matthew last night trying two goals <laughs> on the goal line. Pulling it between his legs. Yeah. I mean, I look at that and I go, boy, that's a guy the game has slowed down for. Oh, yeah. Because if you got the the balls to they do that. They all do, though. Every yeah. Kachuk's well, they got do that. in practice all the time. Oh, yeah. They got no, a no, swagger. No. They've got swagger. Oh, yeah. I played against the old man back way back. Okay. He and I, I think his birthday is actually two days Oh, and he was mine. only like 230? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was a monster then. You guys would just fall <laughs> off him. And obviously the game is far different than it is now. Yeah. Um, all right. Another name to throw at you is Corey Crawford. He's got two year. He's got one year beyond this left on his deal. We know he had the vertigo issues, the concussion, um, but we also know that last season the Blackhawks looked pretty decent until he went down. Right, and I think he's always been an underrated goaltender because of the big names. Of, I think that's true. Uh, you know, you got Taves and Kane, and then obviously Duncan Keith and Seabrook, and you've had all these guys. So he's always been overshadowed, not really given his due as a catalyst for those teams that won cups or one of them, um, because or two of them, I should say, because. The first one was Antiniemi. Right. But that being said, is that an option? I think it's... Because they are in a rebuild. But they're not admitting it. That's the problem. Maybe not publicly. Well, here's the spot they're in. Again, they're naturally just tanking, right? They lost all those. Now, they did Mm -hmm. beat Pittsburgh yesterday. But they're naturally... Back-to-back, too, by the way. Yeah. Back-to-back. But they're naturally tanking, right? So they're going to be in the Hughes sweepstakes. If they get Jack Hughes next year and they hold on to Corey Crawford and somehow can get a defenseman, just wrangle a decent defenseman, you can make the argument that at least they're a bubble team. And I think that's what they're shooting for still because... They don't want to go back to free. They don't want to go back to the Kyle Calder days mm-hmm. when my website first started at Sportsology, when you couldn't get anybody to cover the Blackhawks and nobody was showing up to see the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go back to that. Now, you know, the words, Bill Wirtz had a lot to do with that TV and all that, but the team was bad. No, Eric does. Right. Eric Daze was their great star, and then he got hurt early on, and and they were bad. I mean, it's crazy to think right now. Think about this. If you're in a time warp and you've been in a coma for the past four years, three worst teams in the NHL, Los Angeles, 24 points, the Chicago Blackhawks, 25 points, and the St. Louis Blues with 26 points. How stunning is that? That would be stunning, but then you would sort of be like, well, I've woken out of this coma, and the Flyers are still having goaltending trouble. <laughs> so, Flyers with 28 points. <laughs> so, I mean, there would be at least some stability for you, and then that would be shocking. It would. And the, and the Kings, they don't want to admit they're in a rebuild either because they just got Ilya Kovalchuk. Rob Blake's, what, two years into the mm-hmm. job? No, I mean, Kovalchuk's on the fourth line at this point. Yeah. Under Willie Desjardins. Yeah. I Again, I'm not shocked at that. We remember when we talked about him getting signed that he got benched in the mm-hmm. KHL. He is a coach killer, and it's not necessarily his attitude or anything else. It's the way he plays and the attention that he brings, and he makes the power play dysfunctional because it's got to go through him. And if he's not lighting it up, all of a sudden your team isn't good. And and this is what happens with Ilya Kovalchuk. So now they're they're finding that that wasn't a good signing. So I know the next name you're going to give me now. Yeah, because you, you know I love this guy. Yeah. Um, there's no athlete in any sport that I've enjoyed watching since the year 2000 more than this guy. And it's Jonathan Quick. Yeah. And it seems like there's a little bit of smoke here. Now, when I look at Jonathan Quick's contract, and I'll do that right now, 
Uh, he's got several years left. He signed a 10-year deal, and his contract is up after the 2022-23 season. His cap hit, his AV is $5.8 million. He's making seven this year and next year, and then it really drops off money-wise yeah. to 3.53 and then 2.5. So the money's all kind of in the front. So the money right. part's not an issue, but the 5.8. But the issue is the wear and tear on a goaltender who has put his body in positions that some dream they could have and his athleticism, and it takes a toll. It does. I mean, I by the time he's 52 years old, I suspect he will be in a chair. Because well, he'll of, have of his he'll, hips. He'll have artificial hips. Yeah. He, he'll have plastic hips. He won't be in a chair, but he'll have, yeah, he'll I mean, have plastic hips. But is the interest, do you believe it's A, real in Jonathan Quick, and B, does it is it warranted? Would you go in that direction? Because as you alluded to earlier, Carter Hart, maybe you go two years in the AHL and then you bring him up in into, into a situation where it's a really shared situation. Quick can teach him how to be a professional. There's nobody that's a bigger competitor at that position than Quick and Pecorine. Right. Can teach him that aspect of it, how to prepare and be an NHL player at an elite level. So I was on another show, and I said, I don't believe there'll ever be a day where Jonathan Quick will be will be the backup. Mm-hmm. There are some goalies that are never the backup. Henrik Lundqvist. They can't go into that mode. Yeah. Henrik Lundqvist will never be a backup. He'll just walk away. Mike Richter was never a backup. Mm-hmm. Uh Dominic Price Ka- is never going to be a bad. Price right. will never yep. be Dominic Koscik. Okay, and I think he's in that ilk where his mindset is he's not going to be a backup. You, though, to, to speak to that real quick, those guys can't prepare for a season uh, and and in season if they're not the man, right. because that's what drives them. Now, an anonymous scout actually texted us on that show and said they believe that Quick won't have a choice if he were to come to Philly to be the backup at some point because Carter Hart will push him. See, I I disagree with that. I think Quick would fight that tooth and nail and and not be very helpful with that situation. Oh, so you don't think he'd be an asset to a young goaltender? So I don't know if he's Brett Favre. I don't think he's Brett Favre. I'm not going to say he's going to be like Aaron Rodgers and not Mm. help him at all, but he's going to be so competitive that I don't know how much help he'll be otherwise because he's not going to want to lose that job. See, like Ryan Miller, if someone's going to bring up Ryan Miller, he went to the West Coast because his wife is out there, Mm -hmm. right? He transitioned. He transitioned. Mm -hmm. He was okay with it. I don't see quick transitioning. So if the Flyers were to get him – I think he's at least the starter for three years, maybe four, and then if they have to sort of like work it out with him at the end where so you're he, okay he goes on though. LTIR, I'm not saying I'm okay with it, but I'm not against it. I would really I don't get the the I don't get the option of seeing the medicals, right? Yeah. The last time he came back though, which was just a couple weeks ago, he did have a shutout, didn't he? Oh yeah. And yeah. then he and then he tweaked something again. So I do think like an aging quarterback, there's a couple of good years in him. I do think, like, when the Flyers brought in Pronger and he was the catalyst for them to get instantly better in a time mm. where things were shaky, he could do that. Yeah. He could. I don't know for how long, but he could do that. Yeah. See, the more I think about it, and I'm trying to let the fact that I love watching him play. I mean, I've gone down YouTube rabbit holes. Uh, but if you've interviewed him. him, he's not the easiest guy to talk to. He's very intense. Yeah. He so and that's the other thing is I just kind of worry like, you know how 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 is his burn if he gets injured, you know to yeah. you know on a team is it going to affect it or not with the Kings no way because they they're used to him but I don't know on a new team five point eight million dollar cap hits palatable especially when you have a young goalie that's on the way because you're not going to pay him a lot of money I right they're not paying a lot in the goalie position so yeah the salary is not a killer yeah. I mean 
the next guy you're probably going to bring up, if they were to, to sign him, the salary would be a killer. And that would be Sergei Bobrovsky. Right. Um, first of all, I do not see any scenario where the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to trade him in the division. Uh, there, there still is. because You think that he, potentially he could land in the division via trade? Well, for one thing— For a team that hasn't won a playoff game in a bracketed playoff system? Yarmo Kekalainen is that guy with, you know, brass, you know what. Balls. So I don't, I don't think that's an issue. Less. That's fine. Balls. I don't think that's the issue. And I, and I think if they looked at this and said, what is the probability of the Flyers coming in first if we give them Bobrovsky? I think some mathematician in the organization will look at it and say, well, they'll have to go like 6-3-1 and one for the next 10 for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. The odds are they're not going to do that. So I think— So they're not going to be an impediment anyway, but they're not going to trade them to the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, no, they won't trade yeah, them to the Penguins because that's, that's somebody they really could match up against in yeah. the playoffs. So— I think they would do it. They certainly have confidence in Corpusalo. I don't know if I have enough confidence in Corpusalo yet. I, I'm getting there. But I think that could happen. So let's say you do pick him up. Well, then he's going to want a new deal, right, after the year's out. I do think there's a chance they could keep him off the market, but the only way to keep him off the market is to give him top-of-the-market value, which mm-hmm. nobody gives goalies that much money anymore. Even his current contract, which I want to say is like eight or nine a year, nobody gives goalies that anymore. Can't. You can't do it. It's like the running back position but, in the NFL. But this organization might because they did it before with Ilya Brzezgalov, and they might do it again. And I'm mm. not saying Bob will be horrible like Brzezgalov was. He's regressing was. already, too. He's not regressing enough. I mean, he's still yeah, a really I mean, good he's goalie. He's spectacular. He's 30 years old. Yeah, he's still a really good goalie. He will have occasional groin issues. There's no question about all that. He's still a top goalie. Mm-hmm. But I do think you're going to have to give him a five-year deal around nine and a half million bucks. Yeah, you may have to go more than five, uh, five two. I mean, because look at Carey Price's eight-year deal just kicked in. I so know then that's a different stratosphere. But right, all right. But let's say they talk him into just five because maybe he wants to go to the KHL mm-hmm. after that. Okay, five years. Now you have to figure out how to use Carter Hart for five years or keep as an asset for three years, and then he might get traded. And I know people are yeah. gasping now. And then Rossi's on the downside. But you have to remember, Chuck Fletcher is walking into this. Mm-hmm. He has not no stake in Carter Hart until he either decides on his own yeah. that he He's thinks, got no loyalties at all. Right. Yeah. So he will decide on his own, probably even aside from the people talking to him in the organization, whether he believes he's a franchise goalie or not. He won't divulge that, but if he doesn't, he might just sign another veteran like this yeah. for a five-year or six-year deal and then worry about it later because that's what a lot of teams do because yeah. there's nothing Carter Hart can do. Well you, well, you know what GMs do is they worry about the now because Correct. they're judged on the now. That's why they don't draft goaltenders high because right. by the time they develop, you're fired. Right, <laughs> right. And <laughs> While so you're waiting on a guy. But I do feel like I do have to tell people that that, that could be the mindset. Mm-hmm. He might look at Carter Hart a few times this year and then at some point decide, you know what? I got to go get a guy. I can't wait on him. Yeah, or he looks two plus years away. Right. Because some guys, it takes to 24 oh, yeah, absolutely. or 23 to develop. It's just, Sometimes 25 for a goalie. Yeah, it's it, it's weird. And I mean, look at a guy like Tim Thomas. Yeah. I mean, it, it's staggering. Cam Talbot was a late bloomer. Right. You know, then you had other guys like Steve Mason, who was a very early bloomer and rushed flamed too out. early. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he came up at 18, when, yeah. won the Calder and. We know where that went, and he's out of the game right now. Yep. Uh, let's get to uh, Flyers head coach Dave Hackstall right now. Flyers coming off a loss last night uh, in dramatic fashion, and uh, one that stings for sure. But he joins us right now. Dave, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. We're uh, we made a trip uh, up to 
up to Edmonton after after the game last night. He's got to finish up with uh, with practice. And you guys are in preparation for uh, for the Oilers coming up tomorrow night. Game number four of a five game trip. You'll wrap it up on Saturday in Vancouver. Let's go back to the start of the road trip, though. Uh, you, you guys get off to a good start. You get a little bit of revenge against a Buffalo team that uh, that gave it to you uh, just about a week or so before that. Yeah. In that game, what did you see out of your team that was uh, far different from the first time you played the the Sabers? Well, just the just the sixty minute resiliency throughout. You know, we got we got in you know we got in the hole early. We got down two nothing, um, but you know it, it was just a different feel there. And you know we dug out of that and just kept pushing. Our, our game didn't change very much through that sixty minutes, which is what you have to do in, in order to have success. And guys stayed with it. You know, it was a, obviously it was a pretty close hockey game. We got a couple late to. Uh, to pull away. Well, when you look at the, a tough back-to-back with Winnipeg with no Sean Couturier, but then you come back last night and you guys have a two-goal lead, minute and eight left, and uh, they're able to punch in two, one with the goaltender pulled. Uh, you guys go into overtime, ultimately uh, just come away with the one point. But how disappointing was that for your group last night? How did they react? And what's your message to them? Because uh, to, to, you can take some positives out of that game other than really the end result. Well, the, you know, you take you, you know, you okay. The positive, you take one point out of uh, out of, uh, you know, a team that's probably you know at the at the top of the Western Conference, especially in their home building. Uh, but yeah, real disappointing uh, to go you know into the third period uh, to have a lead to build a two goal lead, uh, but really to shoot ourselves in the foot. And I, you know, I said it the the four minor penalties in a row kind of sets up the ending. All of a sudden, you've got you know you're playing the game with nine or ten players. Throughout those penalty kills, um, everybody else is sitting on the bench watching the game. And then, as you get to the you know the back two two and a half three minutes of the game, you know when you're in a in a situation with a goalie pull for the other team, same guys that killed all those penalties are now the exact same guys that are in the roles to close out the game. So fatigue comes into play. So uh, real disappointing result. We'll take the positive of the one point. You, you know you said that. Um, it's it's not an easy building to get one point, um, but you know there's a lot of things that we have to take out of that uh, out of that hockey game. Out of necessity, you moved your captain Claude Giroux back into the middle with a Couturier injury. You liked what you saw though with James Van Riemsdyk yeah. and Travis Konechny. Talk about that chemistry that you're seeing from that group right away. Yeah, that's you know that's three games in a row for them, and uh, they've had they've had tough assignments. You know, especially when the first two games there, Coots is not in the lineup, so you're on the road. That line is going to draw, you know the uh, you know the heaviest five from uh, from the opponent. They handled it well in Buffalo. Um, I thought G handled uh, the Shifley uh, line as well as you know as probably anybody can uh, on on the game in Winnipeg, especially the first first thirty minutes of that hockey game. Um, you know, getting Coots back in the lineup changes some of those matchups uh, for uh, for the opposition. But even last night, G's line was the line that was drawing, you know, the the heaviest line and, and the top line from Calgary. So, like what I've seen, you know, G is he, having those two guys as one two solidifies us a little bit more up the middle, makes us a little bit more veteran. Uh, and the group of three of those guys uh, have you know have shown enough signs to stay together. We're talking with Dave Hackstall. Uh, Dave, when you when you look at your team, and sometimes a label can almost force you into making things a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I talk about that in the sense that one of the labels for your team is the inconsistency, both game in and game out, sometimes period in and period out. Yeah. And, and we've yeah. seen that. Um, when you look at that, does that get into players' heads and then in some way make it a self-fulfilling prophecy to to almost 
you know, maybe even legitimize that thought process? No. You know, Jason, I think it's the opposite. I think it's, you know what, I think it should, I think I should take it to heart because that's, that's not a label right now. That's been, that's the, uh, that's the truth. We have been too inconsistent within hockey games from period to period. Uh, and even, you know, from, from game to game. So, you know, we should take that to heart. And, um, sometimes it's hard to see from within the results, but they're, we're close. Um, but we're still not there. We're still not finishing every shift. We're still not finishing every period. And as you saw last night, we didn't finish a game that was on a platter for us to, to close out. Now, you know, we had to work hard to put it on a platter. We had great goaltending. We had good penalty killing. Um, you know, we had some good plays five on five. Um, but, you know, the, the consistency to close out that game and, you know, understand some of the things that come with the timing and the situation uh, of a game, uh, we, we've we got to make a step in terms of our maturity in order to close those games out. The goaltending that you've gotten from Anthony Stolarz, he was a guy that, um, for lack of a better term, was a bit buried on the depth chart in, yeah. in the goaltender position. Uh, but he's come in out of necessity, and, and he gave you some quality minutes, and he's been yeah. pretty good. What, what's the difference you see yeah. in maybe his approach in his game uh, at this yeah. opportunity? Well, you know, first of all, you know, in terms of him moving down the depth chart, it's, you know, it was really through through injury and lack of playing time that, you know, that he was, uh, you know, as far down on the depth chart as, as maybe he was. That's just, you know, that's a matter of fact when you go through the amount of games lost and injuries that, you know, that he went through, um, you know, over the past uh, season and, and, uh, and a bit. But, you know, through that, uh, you know, there's there's some mental aspects that, you know, he, he's probably really improved in. I think going through some of those situations, learning how to handle, um, you know, some of the harshness of some of the injuries and things that he's gone through has probably helped him in terms of his, uh, just his presence of mind, um, you know, how relaxed he is, how focused he is, and, and he's been able to hold that all the way through. So that's probably the biggest difference. There's just He's just a more mature goaltender. Uh, than he was when he played games for us and, and did pretty well for us two seasons ago. Yeah, you know, it's odd. I actually tweeted this out during the game last night that he seems he's not over goaltending. And I guess the no. way, you know, he's really staying in the blue paint, not tending the backboards, yeah. <laughs> which sometimes when yeah. you get really excited is something you can overcommit and over overcompensate. Yeah, yeah he's he's been, like I said, he's instead of being, you know, overhyped, um, you know, a little too juiced up, um, you know, maybe nervous going into those situations. It's it's been a little bit the opposite. He's he's had a you know a pretty relaxed approach, uh, and I you know I think is I think he's really relishing the opportunity. And you know that's a nice position of uh, strength mentally to go into games with. Um, and and he's played well. You know he'll be the first to admit there's a couple things he wants to do differently last night, and you know a couple of goals that he would like to change the way he played them. But ultimately. Um, he's, he's given us an opportunity, uh, to gain points every time he's been in the net. So, um, you know, we want to see him continue with that mentality, continue with that mindset and continue with that performance. Dave Haxtell with us. Uh, Dave, when you look at uh, a couple of defensemen in particular, let's talk about Ivan Provorov and Shane Gostaspare. Uh, the narrative is that they both uh, have regressed a little bit in the early part of this season. Uh, what do they need to do to get their game back to uh, an elite level where they're really contributing with this team both in both ends of the ice, defensively and offensively, because both are capable? Well, 
I think they've both taken steps over the last two weeks without without question. Um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to look at Provi's game right now and find any area of his game where he could compete at a higher level. His execution has been cleaner, um, and you know overall his, his defensive play has been really competitive and really sound, uh, especially over the last few games. So he's, he's headed in the right direction. I, I see the same signs in Ghost. The offensive production um, you know, hasn't come there yet. Uh, the two will come hand in hand as our power play uh, gets, you know, gets rolling uh, as as well as his game, you know, getting to the top of uh, of his level. Those two things, uh, you know, and on the offensive side for Ghost will will come hand in hand. But um, both those both those players are trending in the right direction right now. And I know we're not looking for trends. You know, we're we're looking uh, for results and. You know, those guys are a big part of uh, of getting us over the hump. Another player in particular I wanted to ask you about was Nolan Patrick. Um, yeah. He's had uh, some, some points this season where he's been very good and, and productive on the score sheet. Not the case right now. What are you seeing yeah. out of his game? Well, I think we got to take a step back just for a second and, you know, and really – um, you know, you, you look at the, the role of a, you know, of a real good sound, solid two-way centerman. Um, you know, it comes in more of the little details than it does necessarily just in point production. So, um, we have to put point production aside for a second and we have to get back to the little areas of the game, the hard little areas of the game, um, that make a player successful on a nightly basis. And every young player goes through ups and downs as they transition to this league. I, you know, I believe the, the position up the middle is, is as hard as any, uh, to make the transition. And there, you know, let, no, Nolan's going through some growing pains. That's all. And he's, he's got to take the challenges that, uh, that are put in front of him. Um, and, you know, just, uh, just keep, uh, improving and moving forward day by day. There's, you know, it's, uh, in a lot of cases, it's, it's learning how to work, learning how to work smart and knowing how to take care of your area on the ice. Uh, Dave, you used the word challenge and it's been a challenging couple of weeks for the organization in, in total, uh, and your situation is is obviously front and center there as well. Chuck Fletcher, yeah. in your talks with Chuck here early on, and I know you guys are working together. I spoke with him the other day. You guys are working together to find solutions. How has that uh, process been going with you and Chuck Fletcher here early on? Well, Chuck, he communicates very, very well. And, you know, again, it's, you know, his, his role is very clear. Uh, as, you know, as a general manager, my role is very clear as a coach. Uh, critical to have good communication. I think we've had that early on, um, you know. So, um, you know, for me, I'm I'm focused on taking care of what we can do with our team to improve the way we are playing right now. We talked about the inconsistency of our group. That's my job and our staff's job, along with our leaders, to fix and get that at a higher level. Um, in terms of the consistency of, of communication and the, the quality of communication with Chuck, it's been outstanding. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you have to build a relationship on the go, and we're working to do that. Well, nothing but best of luck to you. You guys get back at it tomorrow night against Edmonton and then uh, Vancouver. You wrap up the trip, return home for three here in Philadelphia, Detroit, Nashville, and then the uh, final game of that homestand. Really the final home game of 2018 will be on that Saturday afternoon. Dave, we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck tomorrow night. 
As always, thanks for having me there, Jason, and uh, look forward to seeing you in a few days. All right, there's Flyers head coach Dave Haxtall, uh, kind enough to join us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. We appreciate that. We'll talk to Travis Konechny coming up momentarily as well. Uh, a couple league notes, Russ, real quick. Let's... I do have breaking news for the Flyers. Yeah. Nothing bad, uh, but Samuel Erson, who I think is a really good goalie, one of their mm-hmm. young goalies who's already signed next year for the SHL. So I have a feeling this is like Chuck Fletcher basically telling the kid, you're years away, man. Yeah. Go go do something out of sight, else right out of now. Mind, but develop over there, and we'll talk yeah. to you when you're maybe a little closer. Yeah, because he's unfortunately he's in the pecking order. He's oh, got he's a little down, ways yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a couple of league notes real quick. Uh, the Winter Classic. Uh, we alluded to it right off the top of the show with uh, Weezer coming in. People could buy my book at Amazon.com. The Winter Classic book. It's the only one on it. Well, I don't have one of those. I gotta oh, get one of those. I'll get you one. Uh, the Flyers have played in two Winter Classics. I've worked both of them right on the glass. Yeah. And I've been to all of, of them. Book. I've been to all of them except St. Louis, but my website has covered all of them. Okay. Sportsology has covered all of them. I will be in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I will. I will see Weezer. I've never seen Weezer. No, and me as well. But uh, they'll be there for the Winter Classic, and uh, I'm excited too because I'm gonna. They're gonna play Africa, and in 1985, at what was called. It's now the Honda Center, I think, but I'm not sure what they used to... There was a, a catchy name like the Forum, what they used to call where the Rockets played yeah. back back in the 80s. I saw Toto there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I saw Steve Gadd when he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And and I, look, it, they're good. Steve Luthiker, I got to tell you, amazing guitarist live. When he's not doing studio sessions, softer stuff, and he can really rock out live, he can rock with the best of them. I do there have to go. push him push him out there, but... I will match up that Africa and just see, and I probably have to admit during that show that I liked it, and I might like it again. Yeah, it's not on my iPod, but I might still like yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's a good song. Um, so, but beyond the Winter Classic, we have a new team coming into the league. Yes. How about the, the Seattle, Seattle? We don't know. I don't know. Uh, baristas. Sasquatch? <laughs> yeah, something. Um, it's going to be something water-related. Like, we're all yeah. sure of that. Yeah. So the sockeye's getting thrown around. But I like the sockeye. Sockeye's okay. I mean, I love salmon, but the byproduct of the salmon, the smell, that could yeah. come back and, and haunt them like, on yeah, some tweets. Yeah, people are throwing salmon on the ice. Yeah, and yeah. They only swim offensively and yeah, they never I go mean, back downstream there, to there play could defense. Be, there could, <laughs> I heard the pilots, but, like, really, do you want to do that again? When I was a yeah. kid, the Seattle Pirates were around, man. Yeah. I mean, they weren't good. Uh, so a 30-second team will come into the league. Yeah. Uh, I know Elliot Friedman's going, oh, geez, are you kidding me? Now i got to go to 32 thoughts. But anyway, uh, 20... 21-22 season right. is when they come in, and will the the rules I'm assuming for the expansion draft will be exactly the same. Yes, rules will be the same, but I think teams will treat it differently. I don't think they're going to just be giving away players to not take players anymore. Uh, I know there's a lot of mock drafts out there now to see who a, a team or an organization might lose, and someone did ask me on Twitter about two weeks ago who I thought the Flyers would lose, and then it came up in a mock that it could be like Robert Hag. And yeah. that could be the kind of guy that they lose. because if they're yeah, I asked so- Chuck Fletcher about it. He's like, he's like, man, I don't even know everybody's name yet. Right. <laughs> but I, I can't be thinking about the, the expansion draft. Right. But I asked him purposely because right. he, he did not have a great expansion draft experience. Well, they gave away Alex Tuck. Yeah. And that was bad because Alex Tuck, I always knew he'd be a player. He is a player. Yeah. No question. <laughs> they about wanted it. to protect Matt Dumba and a few of their defensemen, and they did, mm-hmm. but it did hurt them. Yeah, no question. Um, anything else around the league that's uh, sticking out to you? Uh, just 
right now, and and we should talk about that. You know, the Flyers outdoor game, the Stadium Series game, yeah, is, February is, is going to come up at, at Lincoln Financial. Game I've never been in Lincoln Financial Field for anything. Oh. I've never been there, so it'll be interesting for me to to go in there. I mm. sort of like to go yeah, the survey Jets, the I place. Guess, haven't been in town or uh, the Mets. No, the Jets. There. The Jets play there every preseason. It's yeah, a meaningless game, that. and I don't watch that. So, yeah. so yeah, I'll I'll go in there and I'll I'll check it out. But I like the Stadium Series games too. Although you have had a bad experience in Pittsburgh, and so yeah. did I. I won't reiterate it because I got paraded by uh, Sean Tilder of the Flyers because I went on the air with it, of course, because I yes. got on the air with everything like an idiot. But anyway. Yeah. No, but but and I it'll can tell you. It'll be a party. It'll be I, very festive. I could, yes. I could tell you from the writer's perspective in, in Pittsburgh, it was like stadium opened up at 4. We were there at like 3.30 and we're all freezing outside mm. in windy, blustery area. And there was somebody inside just sort of looking at their watch. And I remember Tim Panaccio was very unhappy. Yeah. That's, all, that's, all, <laughs> that's my in. lasting that's, that was my lasting memory of, yeah. of that. But it will be nice. It was weird. It was 72 degrees the day before. And I know. I was so worried about the ice. And Dave Craig, uh, the, the man who handles all the ice for the outdoor games, that works wonders. Yeah. And it was raining and, and that morning and then but boom, the ice was perfect, and it was subarctic. Yeah, they night. always do. He does a great job with the ice, always. Uh, but other than that, no, I mean, around the league right now, it's there's a little bit of trade talk. You know, St. Louis has said everybody's available. Like, I don't think Vladimir Tarasenko's really available. Mm, I, I don't. don't know that not to be true. I think that uh, he may be a guy. His no-move clause kicks, kicks in next year. 26 years old. for life? 26 or? years no, I old. I mean, you go look at who's on the horizon. I I love Jordan Cairo. I mm. like Robert Thomas. Neither of them are Tarasenko. Yeah. Will never be. I like Jaden Schwartz. He's not Tarasenko. So tell me where, unless they win the Jack Hughes sweepstakes, where they're getting a top 10 or 15 player in the league otherwise. Yeah, That's, they don't have assets to trade for that. I mean, they they have assets. They do have some pretty good ones, and they could get some really nice ones, but you're not going to get back that value. I am going to not, if I'm them, I am not trading Tarasenko. Um, let me ask you about Jake Allen could be a goalie that gets traded, though. Yeah, I don't, not interested in Jake Allen. You might not be, but Somebody you're not Chuck be. Fletcher. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a couple of random questions. I saw that Dowdy's name has now been thrown out there. Uh, Nobody has seconded huge it, though. Deal. You know what I mean? We heard it mm-hmm. like we heard it the last time, and then Dowdy signed the long term deal with the Kings the last time we heard that maybe we go to the Leafs. But we heard this, but it was sort of like in a vacuum because nobody has come out and seconded it, and nobody has asked. Furthered the story. Right. right. Nobody's furthered the story. Nobody has asked Dowdy about it. I am a little skeptical of it. Not to say it can't happen somewhere down the line during his tenure. It's so early in his tenure, though. I don't think Rob Blake is going to send up the white flag that soon with him. That's why they went and traded but it, Pearson. But you could get a deal. I mean, you could get a return on him. Okay, but again, if I go look at their organization, Kale Clegg is a tremendous player. Mm. He's not going to be Drew Doughty, right? Yeah. So can he play the part of Drew Doughty? Maybe. Maybe yeah. in like three years. So who do I get? Go look at Detroit. Remember, they signed a 100-year-old mm-hmm. Mike Green because there's just not enough of these guys mm-hmm. to be a number one in the league. So am I, if I'm trading Drew Doughty, do I get a number one in return? You know, I'll go. Uh, uh, no. Say the Flyers want to do it. I'm giving you Ivan Proveroff, and I'm, I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get so what, Drew Doughty. You, you're giving me Proveroff and what? Uh, I'm going to have to give you a forward as well. Uh, okay, so let's say it's Radcliffe. We okay, so, yeah, Radcliffe and a number one for Drew Doughty. 
Okay, that's that's um, something where only certain teams can be in this mix because of the right. contract. Right, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not an option. Right, because I, I mean they're going to have a hard time with Marner and Matthews and everything Unless else. Unless Nylander is in the deal, mm-hmm. which he could be because a lot of his money's front loaded after yep. July first. So I think Toronto could be in the conversation. I think that deal for the Flyers could happen if the, if the Kings mm-hmm. did that. It would really shake things up on this end. Yeah, I mean, I can't I've heard say the no. Islanders are a team, you know, lose very aggressive and wants to get that thing straight. They're not very aggressive couple... so far paying anybody. Yeah. And the problem is, asset wise, they're not going to trade Barzil. Anders Lee is a UFA at the end of this year, and so is Brock Nelson. So who exactly are you trading? Yeah. I mean, you could trade Nick Letty, but, you know, he's like a Wait, partial number a UFA, one. right? Anders Lee is a UFA. Boy, they can't lose him after no, the and, they, and, and everybody believes that he'll get re signed. And I believe there's a good chance, a better chance than Tavares. Mm-hmm. But if Anders Lee scores another 40 goals, the agent might say, hey, we like the Islanders, but we're seeing what's out no. there for you, buddy. That, that's, that would be the smart thing to do. Right. So they you know, they could lose one of those two players, too. So I don't think the Islanders will have the assets. All right. Let's just revisit a couple of and things And they did get quick. some good assets in last year's draft, but the Kings are going to look for something more like Provorov further along. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's regressed a bit this year, so that's not helping. Right. Uh, but that being said... Right now, if the season ended today, your vote for the Hart Trophy would be? Right now, if the season ended today, my vote for the Hart Trophy, uh, I might go Miko Rantanen. Yeah, I, mean, I think you have to, don't you? Yeah. I mean, he has been so spectacular. Yeah. And that line has been so spectacular. Which would be unbelievable if he wins it before McKinnon does, because I would have given yeah. it to McKinnon last uh-huh. year. I did vote that way. That's the only thing that could hurt him, is you could, they could splinter each other's vote. They could, but I don't think that's going to happen in this case, because so far his year is so good that it might not be possible to have that happen. Okay. Now, one of the things that we debated in our preseason predictions was who was going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. Right. And you said? At that time, I said, who did I say? I'm not remembering. Pedersen, no. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say Pedersen. No, although, had... although he's got 18 goals. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who you said. Oh, no, that. I said Austin Matthews. That's right, yes. Now, the injuries have killed that. The injuries killed that. It was uh, going good for a while. But the usual name is right at the top of the list right now, leading the league in goals. Alex Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> Son of a gun, I man. mean, you have got to be kidding me. I know. And another one the other night on the power play, sitting yeah. there in his office. So what is he at, like 23? 25. 25. 25 goals, up four on uh, four players. David Pasternak, Skinner, Line, and Braden Point. All I do 21. hope before he retires, people realize he's probably one of the top three goal scorers of all time in the NHL. Oh, of yeah. all time. Absolutely. How could you? I mean, his numbers are so staggering. Yeah. And the thing about him is he's a Big boy. Yes. And he's not young anymore. No. And the numbers are just off the charts. They are crazy. I mean, you would think, I mean, right now he is 33 years old. Yeah. He's now, who was your 240 pick? pounds. Who was your pick for that? Um, to, to win. Oh, I had line, line eight. eight. Yeah. And, but line is in the run. Four back. Yeah. 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 He can get there. And yeah. He, he, he's been a little bit streaky this year yeah. with his goal scoring. Uh, but Ovechkin, um, and, I mean, pretty much plays every game every year. I mean, you look at it. Oh, yeah. 82, 82, 79, 81, 78, 48 was the 48 game season. 78, 79, 72. It's crazy. I mean, it is nuts. And as physical as he is, 
He is just a freak of nature. He, he, but that's what I keep telling people. In the offseason, when they were worried about him drinking beer, I was like, listen, this is a guy you don't have to worry about. I follow his Instagram mm-hmm. account. I was subhuman. I was watching him with like the um, tractor pulling gear on, and he was pulling like, like a, a vehicle. <laughs> like This is the kind of guy he is. He's almost like Jack LaLanne that way. Remember Jack LaLanne yeah, would yeah. do freaky things like that? That's how freakishly strong he is. He may never look ripped. He's not going to put dye in his hair, so he's going to look yeah. gray. And old, but this guy will kill you. Underestimate him a little. Yeah, he's going to kill you on the ice. Um, Power play goals in his career. He now has two hundred and thirty-six. Boy, it's a lot. Ridiculous. By the way, on the power play, uh, it points. Power play points total four hundred and forty-seven. Wow. But I think Anderchuk still got a good lead on him, though. Yeah, for power play goals. All right, let's get to uh, Flyers winger Travis Konechny uh, taking some time out to join us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Travis, how you doing today? Not too bad. Well, I know last night, let's get right to the business, because last night, I know it's a tough loss for you guys um, to give up two goals in the final 108 of the game, then ultimately lose it in overtime. Is this a situation for you guys right now where it's almost like, you know, you're finding ways to lose in a weird way, even though that's counterintuitive <laughs> because you never want to have that mentality? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely, um, you know, a, a different experience that we're going through right now. I mean, um, but we're, we're just putting ourselves in, in tough positions. Like you mentioned there, uh, not, not finding ways to lose, but just, uh, not being able to close out some games. And, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of finding, finding our consistency. And, um, it, it, at this point of the season, it's, it's either now or never. So, um, you know, we've kind of come to that realization. We need to turn it around right now. There's no time to, you know, keep, keep going in the same direction and turn it around around Christmas time or whatever. Like it needs to happen now. Do you guys feel like, uh, like your play is close right now? I mean, you can look at some of the lopsided scores and obviously say, well, we weren't in that game. You know, uh, you look at the Winnipeg game, for example, but when you guys go out and you give a good effort, like you did last night and a really impressive second period, do you feel like you're close to breaking through gaining a little puck luck and, and, and really kind of maybe turning this thing around? Do you feel like you're close to that time? Well, I, I know we are. I, I know I've known we we've been close, uh, you know, since we had our bad start to the season and within the first five games. Like I knew we've been we've been close since the start of the year. Um, you know, even if you look at that Winnipeg game, I mean, we we still played a, a solid twenty minutes. Our first period was pretty good, and and uh, yeah, it's just it, it's hard to look at games like that and take positives, but there is a lot of positives in, in our game. It's just uh, it's not a full. Teams out there that are playing a full sixty and they're capitalizing on that. Travis connecting with us, obviously, Travis. You know, it's been a couple, a, a pretty bizarre couple of weeks. You've been in the league now three years, but uh, you know, the general manager dismissed, Chuck Fletcher hired. Um, what what has that kind of done to the room uh, with with a new general manager? And he's been vocal about the fact that he's evaluating everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just a change. Um, yeah, you know, it's hard because we kind of been on uh, the road a little bit, so no one like he he's still meeting with guys and getting to know them. But um, you know, it's it's just change of scenery. Like sometimes when, when you uh, change up lines or or power plays, whatever it is, sometimes it's just a change of scenery. And uh, you know, for us, I think it's just been a little bit of a different attitude around here. Um, I don't know. It's hard to speak to that. You know, it's uh, 
Uh, Hexy did a lot of good things for the team, but um, you know we'll see as as the year goes on here. Uh, I'm sure that uh, the new GM is going to have a plan in place, and and we're going to follow along. Uh, you alluded to you know changing lines and those kind of things, and the Sean Couturier injury the other day uh, kind of forced uh, Claude Giroux back into the middle, uh, and you're on his wing. Uh, what's that been like playing with Claude as the centerman uh, alongside uh, you know JVR? You guys had some pretty good success, so much so that Dave Haxtell decided not to make a uh, a change and move Giroux back to the wing right away. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think G's a natural centerman, so um, he does a great job in there. He's uh, he's a threat in the middle of the ice. You know, a lot of times when you have your best player in the middle of the ice, it it uh, opens up a lot on the outside, and uh, you know, it forces the defense to make plays that they don't really want to make. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's 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 a little different though, you know, because there's definitely definitely habits that I've I've had from playing with G on the wing and. Uh, but now having him in the, in the center ice is, uh, you know, it's it's nice though. It's uh, it's good to see him back there. Uh, one of the things with you guys, and we're talking with Travis Connecting here on Fanatic Flyers Weekly. Uh, one of the things when you guys struggle, how's the chatter been on the bench in struggling situations? It's one of those things that fans <clears throat> don't see, hear, and can really quantify. And it's different on every bench, and sometimes it's obviously different in every situation, but. How has your group handled uh, really tough situations, both on the bench in game and in the locker room after and in, uh, in preparation of games? Uh, well, it's definitely you know to what you said about uh, depends on the situation. And um, like I know, definitely last night uh, the way the game ended, you know, we're competitors and we're we definitely weren't happy with what uh, what happened there. So we're we're you know not not getting back at one another, but we're always holding each other accountable and. Um, you know, at the same time and saying that, like, you know, when a guy might make a bad play, uh, you're always there for your teammate. And, and we've always been that way as a group. You know, we're a pretty tight group and try to stay positive with the, with each other. So, um, you know, even though the, the tough slide we're going through right now, everyone's still helping each other and we're all in it together. It's not one guy making mistakes or, you know, one goalie or whatever it is. It's uh, we're all helping each other. And, and you know, no one's no one's pinpointing somebody for uh, for mistakes. There's a def- decent size uh, group of younger players on this team. You guys are roughly in the same age when you go from Nolan Patrick, yourself, Ivan Provorov, uh, Robert Haig, and you look up and down. There's a-, a good group of young players here. When one guy's going through a little bit of struggle, d- do do you guys tend to go to a player in your own kind of peer age group, or do you go to a veteran, or do you guys kind of uh, have that bond because you're you, you can relate? in the immediate uh, time period here of what they're going through and help each other out to get through it? Um, I don't know. I don't think, you know, when, when the young guy's struggling, I don't think he necessarily goes to look for help. Uh, you know, when you're a competitor and, and you believe in yourself and you want to, you know, push the bar as high as you can go, you know, you, you just want to try and figure it out on your own. So it's it's tough sometimes. But, I mean, I think the the leaders here do a good job of, you know, they, they step forward and they, you know, they talk to you. So um, they don't make the young guys make the first step. They're, they're always staying positive and being encouraging for for the young guys to keep pushing and keep doing their thing. Uh, you're in the midst of uh, a decent uh, length road, road trip, five games in total. Uh, game number uh, four coming up tomorrow night in Edmonton uh, after that Calgary game, the Alberta Clipper. And then uh, you'll finish up in Vancouver. Uh, being on the road 
uh, for you guys right now? Is that is that a good opportunity for you guys to kind of bond even further and and really kind of solidify yourselves as a team and galvanize you guys? Yeah, I mean, the road definitely helps because uh, everyone, you know, we're, we're forced to be together with dinners and, um, you know, off days, things like that. So it really helps us be together and you talk it out and, uh, you know, you, you discuss things that you normally wouldn't have the chance to discuss when you're at home because, you know, when, when you're at the practice rank at home and, and guys uh, guys leave, they go home to their families and things like that. So it's just uh, it's just a little different on the road when you, when you get to, to bond. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely a good, uh, good opportunity for us, but we've got to take advantage of it. Um, let me take you back to your days with the Ottawa 67s. Uh, you know, your high watermark there in goals was 29 goals, uh, and one season you had 70 points in 63 games. You go right to the NHL from junior after uh, the, the time, the stint in Sarnia. Uh, and in the NHL, you're putting up goals. You got 11 in your rookie year, 24 in year two, and you've got nine already this year. Um, when you got to the NHL level, the ability a lot of guys score in junior, but to score at the NHL level, can you kind of uh, verbalize what the difference is in trying to score at the highest level? It's tough to describe. I mean, you just you just got to keep pushing. You got to you got to be around the net. You got to be uh, be confident to throw pucks in, in, in the area of the net, like, uh, you know, not all goals in the NHL are going to be pretty, you know, a lot of goal guys that, uh, you know, put up 20 to 30 goals, just have a, a knack to be around the net and, you know, whether pucks are going off their stick or off their feet or whatever it is, it's just, uh, you know, it's just the areas you got to be in, in the NHL, uh, to score goals is a lot different than, uh, in junior hockey. So if you can figure that out and, and just uh, keep grinding away at it if things start to go your way. Yeah, and there's got to be a willingness, right, to go to those areas because you pay the price when you get there. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's not fun every night going to that area, but uh, you know the guys that do it night after night definitely get paid off. Uh, last question for Travis Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers, joining us on Fanatic Flyers Weekly. Uh, Travis, uh, for, for the team, uh, do you guys have a core belief in your locker room that you guys are a playoff team and will make that happen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we've always believed that we we've had the ability to be a playoff team, and you know we're not going to uh, you know, we're not going to count ourselves out until uh, you know the absolute uh, last option that that there's no possible way that we're in the playoffs. So we're going to keep pushing and keep doing whatever we can do. And and I know every person that's room believes in our team, and we're just going to keep going with that. Yeah, and you mentioned that urgency that the time is now earlier in our conversation. Hey, Travis, we appreciate it, man. Good luck in Edmonton tomorrow at uh, Vancouver. Safe travels back home, and we'll talk to you uh, next week uh, when you're back at the Wells Fargo Center Tuesday night against Detroit. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. There he is, Travis Konechny uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers, joining us on the Stick to Hockey podcast, and we appreciate him taking the time. Wow, a lot to get to in today's episode, and we got to all of it, Russ. Um, another week of hockey. I want everybody to enjoy it as we come up. Uh, I think we'll get another episode in pre-Christmas, right? Oh, yeah. All right, so we'll get another episode in pre-Christmas. Yeah, Hanukkah's over. I don't care about Christmas. <laughs> and the uh, also the, the the roster freeze, which comes up, I think, on the 19th, right? Yes. So we'll see if any action happens before that. And you never know. Emergency episodes could happen at any time. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. But everybody, have a great week. Enjoy your NHL hockey. Follow Russ on Twitter, at Sportsology. Myself, at Jason Mert and at Stick to Hockey Pod.